Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune this March the 25th, 2017. I hope that the past week has fared you well. <clears throat> I do want to take a moment to thank everybody uh, for once again getting us to the top of our game in the current event category. I am very grateful for it, and we do appreciate uh, your listens. This week has been a whirlwind. Things like this popping up in the news. This from France. Belarus protest. Hundreds arrested after defying ban. Police in Belarus have arrested hundreds of people during protest against a so-called social parasite tax on the underemployed. Ladies and gentlemen. There have been weeks of sporadic protest against a $230 levy on those unemployed for six months. Syria is threatening to fire Scud missiles at Israel just this past week, ladies and gentlemen. The stock market falls 1.2%, ending the longest streak of calm since 1995. Fortune.com put this out the very same day. Here's what just wiped more than $80 billion off Wall Street's Trump dump. Ladies and gentlemen, this comes out several days later. House GOP leaders fear market will drop like it's 2008 if the health bill fails, and it did fail. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody runs around and says that America is a Christian nation. Yet you have headlines like this in USA Today this week. Colorado City vows to appeal judge's ruling that allows women to go topless. It would seem that the judges are hard at work. Judge allows woman to undergo in vitro fertilization with dead husband's this out this week the ugly retail truth which stores will close or survive ladies and gentlemen there are thousands of stores that's going to close 
It's just absolutely phenomenal. It's it's absolutely staggering how many retailers are killing jobs. It's absolutely phenomenal. I have warned everybody time and time again to watch your fish. This is the headline. Fish kill continues for second day in Karala's Pair River. I'm going to read the last paragraph. And it's going to say exactly what I told you to watch for several weeks ago. The watcher read at 0.25 at 6 a.m. While in the test conducted at 10 a.m., the oxygen level was 1.41. The minimum level required for sustenance is 4.5. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord your God has told you quite clearly that in the end times, the earth would wear out like a rag. Well, what do you think happens to water when it wears out? Ladies and gentlemen, you are prophetically told thousands of years ago there would come a time when a river that is running water would lose the ability to oxygenate itself. More about the stock market. Now, I read to you that they already said that they were afraid the stock market was going to crash if the health bill didn't pass, and it didn't. But this is the headline out of the New York Daily News. Trump's failure on health bill also hurts tax reform prospects. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it hurts a whole lot more than that. We absolutely need those tax cuts for our businesses. You know, you and I, 5% isn't that much. But... Losing 5% in this economic atmosphere might as well be a silver bullet fired from a golden gun. Are you ready? Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It is a great honor and a privilege to be here with you all tonight. We are your host, Brian Ingram, Clinton Kowatch, and I, Matthew Miller. It is a great pleasure uh, to be here and to get together with uh, the guys. Uh, let's bring, bring Brian on first. Brian, I don't even know what to make of the news this week, and I don't even know where to begin. Uh, but how's your week going, buddy? It's been going pretty good here. Um, been doing a lot of uh, historical research for a project we have on the back burner, hopefully getting out here in the next couple of days. And I'm sure, Matthew, you can attest your Skype has probably been blown up with my uh, notifications from yesterday alone. Um, you know, you stating the news is a bit overwhelming, I would say, as an understatement. I mean, I haven't even looked at the news in the last few days, and I pull up my Twitter feed here now, and I've got stories that are popping out just within the last two hours that are completely off the charts that I even ha- haven't even had a chance to look at. So it's <laughs> – oh, my yeah, gosh. It's, and, I mean, I just had a it, main – It's been a whirlwind. Wax I wanted to cover. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's it's been a whirlwind this week, man. It really has. Uh, Clinton, what's your thoughts on the news? Because I know there's some economic things coming down the barrel that the news is saying isn't all particularly good. But how's your week been? And uh, what's your thoughts on the news this week, buddy? Yeah, my week's been pretty well. Uh, just trying to keep up with everything. It seems like... Uh, uh, the news coming out is coming out so quickly in every direction that you look. Um, it's hard to keep up. And uh, when, when it comes to economic news, Monday is going to be a very interesting day. Um, like you mentioned earlier, uh, with the health care bill not passing, um, they, they've been looking for an excuse to watch the market go down, and maybe this is their excuse. So it's going to be very interesting to see how things line up this next week. Yes, it is. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you, unfortunately. I mean, I'm watching things. The things I'm watching that's not financial, things are not looking good. But this week, let's go ahead and get Brian in the saddle, and uh, he can cover his news first. Then we'll get uh, Clinton up to bat, and I'll go last for once. How about that? Is everybody happy with that? I finally get to go last. Uh, so, Brian, jump in here, spill the beans, Actually, and you know uh, what? just give let's everybody not, a heads up. Let's not let Clinton go first. Oh, got to get my story assembled here you... fast. Either or, one of you two go okay. ahead. i got to get this set of stories ready because I've got a whole length of things All that are right, going to go Clinton. together. Nice little picture. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, no Clinton, you want to go or shall I go first? Off. Yeah, no problem starting off. Oh, thank uh, we, the good we Lord. Definitely uh, dig into... <laughs> Not a problem. Um, hopefully uh, everyone can hear me okay. Um, but one of the biggest things I wanted to look at is there's a lot of similarities between what happened in 2008 and what's happening now. Um, now, in 2008, we had a major issue with the housing bubble that burst. And a large portion of it is because the housing prices were super inflated. Well, um, there's one website I absolutely love called Zero Hedge, and they go into a lot of economic issues. And they came across an article that says this new bubble is even bigger than the subprime fiasco. Um, in this article, it talks about that in 2007, 
the subprime loan crisis um, hit a whopping $1.3 trillion. Now, the reason that that's important is we also have an issue with the housing market now, but not only that, but we have an issue with the student loan market. Um, if you look at the student loan market, they're actually getting to the point that they're close to that. It shows that uh, over the last decade or so, there's been an absolute explosion in student loans, growing from $260 billion in 2004 to the $1.3 trillion that they hit last year. It's ironic that that $1.3 trillion that was in the housing market is the same as it was in the student loan market now. Um, so we have the housing bubble, bubble that's being reinflated. Now we have this student loan mar uh, bubble that's already inflated. The only main difference between the two is when you have a housing market, you have an asset. So if the bank you know, has a bad investment, they can foreclose, they can take your house. Well, with student loans, if you don't pay your bill, it's not like they can really foreclose on you or do anything about it. So that money is left as a liability. Now, the problem is a large portion of the student loans are set up to where they're insured by the government. So if this student loan crisis crashes anything like it did in 2008, the government's on the hook, not the banks, not the lenders. It's, it's the government that's on the hook because they insure these loans. So we have the housing bubble inflating, and it's, some people are saying that it's on the verge of decreasing as well. We, we see um, that new uh, home starts have decreased, uh, home loans have decreased drastically, and uh, housing prices are dropping quite a bit as well. So we already see this housing bubble that we're in is starting to deflate. We have the student loan crisis, as no one's even talking about, and then we have this whole issue with this fiasco with the healthcare, where you know a lot of senators and congressmen had their jobs basically threatened if they did not pass this bill, and we all know it did not pass. And it, it's kind of eerie to what happened in 2008. In 2008, we have to pass this bill or do this massive bailout to these banks. If we don't do that, the banks are going to crash. And this one right here, we have to do this massive bill. We have to get rid of Obamacare. We have to replace it with something. Otherwise, it's going to crash. It's very similar to what happened in 2008. And from an economic standpoint, everything looks very similar. Uh, we have uh, Business Insider, um, which is a, a major publication, came out uh, with an article. And I'll just pull it up on my Twitter real quick. But the title of it is The Retail Apocalypse Has Officially Descended on America. And it talks about the major businesses that are losing um, they're, they're, they're closing down shop. Um, they anticipate 3,500 stores to close in, in the next couple of months. Well, these stores all entail like major retail stores like JCPenney's, Macy's, Sears, Kmart, Crocs, Abercrombie & Fitch, BC, BG, Guess. That's just some of them. We even have ESPN laying off people because they are not getting the revenue that they had before. So we have an economy that's on a downturn. We have the same political rhetoric that is coming out of Washington um, as that's Mayor Crenshaw come along, and everything leads to that. So I'm not saying anything's going to happen next week, but according to what the GOP said, that they anticipated that if this health care bill didn't pass, that it would, it would drop like it did in 2008. So again, you have this connection back to 2008. We have similar situation from a financial standpoint in 2008. We have retail numbers tanking, 
And no one's even talked about the derivative bubble that no one's even tried to solve since then. And if we are working to repeal all the legislation to keep all of the bank, you know, CEOs and everyone else in line, and we remove those, then we're just inviting another financial crisis. So from a financial standpoint, we're in some very serious issues. And then that kind of translates into what's going on, for instance, in Brazil. Uh, Brazil right now is having a, a, the longest recession in the history of the, uh, the country. And they haven't been able to get out of that recession. And now they're getting hit into one of their major industries. Um, the, the, basically, the entire world is saying, we're not going to buy your, your meat. Um, and there's reason for that. Um, there's an article that came out, um, and it looks like it's out of CNN Money, uh, that talks about uh, Brazil's spoiled meat scandals widen worldwide. And it talks about several countries this week have banned imports from Brazilian meat after police raided several meat producers last Friday for alleged doing, uh, doling out bribes uh, to investigators to certify meat was, that was either rotten or tainted with salmonella uh, was available for sale. Um, so we have China, Mexico, Chile, Japan, European Union, Hong Kong have already said no meats out of Brazil will they buy. Um, well, that's understandable. No one wants to eat tainted meat or ruined meat. The problem is Brazil's economy is in a major crisis already. So they're already in the longest recession they've ever had. The Olympics were just hosted there, and it did not boost their economy. So they're already in dire straits. Well, six million Brazilians work in their meat industry. So if the entire world is not going to buy Brazilian meat, six million people are not going to be able to have their jobs, basically. And plus all that, that food around the world is not going to be able to be done. So Brazil's crisis is just going to just continue just spiraling out of control. And soon you're going to be in the situation that Venezuela is in. Venezuela, no one even really talks about them in the, the news anymore. But the sheer fact that everyone knows their currency is in hyperinflation um, is basically worth nothing. Uh, people had to get Bitcoin and buy stuff online and have a shift into them to be able to eat food. Um, in Venezuela, they went to the zoo and actually killed zoo animals to eat them. So they had something to eat. That's kind of the situation that happened in Venezuela. And we see that happening in Brazil. And we see that spreading in numerous different places around the globe. Um, this whole thing that's happening with the European Union, the fact that they were supposed to announce Brexit on the 15th and they did not announce Brexit and now they're saying they're going to have it on the 29th. Well, I mean, everything's already been approved. Uh, the Queen's already even given her stamp of approval to do it. So why didn't they do it on the 15th? Were they waiting for something else? Uh, are they planning on not doing a Brexit? If they do a Brexit, then there's numerous other countries that are talking about leaving uh, the, the EU. And the problem is, if they do leave the EU, it unstabilizes the entire region. And especially, you know, where, where Kosovo and, and uh, uh, you know, Bosnia and, and basically all that area right above Greece, uh, Mesopotamia, all that land and all those people are ready to, to go at each other's throats. Um, if that, the economic crisis continues in the European Union, those people, unfortunately, are going to be put more stress on. And that's the last thing that they need. So from an economic standpoint, everything is kind of deteriorating. And that also stems into the social issues. 
um, you know, from an economic standpoint, if you control people's money, you can control their actions. If you tighten up the, the sprocket so that way people don't get any currency down to them, their lives become harder, they lash out, and you have extremism that rises, and you also have issues with domestic violence and stuff like that. You know, I mean, just looking through the news and seeing some of these horrible, horrible stories of what people are doing to each other, I, I blame a lot of it on economics, on what people have done through economics to control them and, and make our entire world basically come down to its knees. And unfortunately, I think this is just the beginning. If things develop like they're supposed to next week, then we can see the entire globe start to spiral into an economic crisis that is probably going to be on a scale of 2008, if not worse. So I hope that gets us started, guys. I'll kind of hand it off and, and let you guys talk about something else as well. Well, I've, I've got two questions I want to ask you. Um, I've got a headline here saying that um, why falling used car prices clobbered auto stocks on Tuesday. And the article, Clinton comes out to say that um, – it reported that the used car price index, which tracks the pricing of used vehicles up to eight years in age, fell 8% just in February. And now we have another one saying that existing home sales tumble as tight inventory chokes the housing markets. And, and here we go again. In this article, it says existing home sales uh, were down – 3.7%. Now, I mean, I may be stupid, but but this has always been, uh, or at least I thought that it has been, Clinton, uh, one of the factors of the American dream, that if you're middle class, if you've made it, you've got a new car a new home. And what's, what's your thoughts on these headlines about both of these uh, – both of these categories crashing at the same time, does that bear ill will for the United States uh, economy? Uh, yes or no? What's what's your opinion on that? Uh, unfortunately, yes, it does. And they're both tied to interest rates. So as they raise interest rates, which they just did last week and they did in December, and they plan on doing another three times this year, both housing prices and automobile prices are going to go down because it's going to cost more money to borrow more money to buy them. So then there's an inverse relationship with them. Now, a lot of when you're looking at the indicators, they're saying that, for instance, like housing prices are dropping because existing inventory is decreasing. That is not necessarily true. Um, we, we have, for instance, like in 2008, there's a large portion of houses that were bought up by investors or bought up by banks or just foreclosed on that are off the market. And the reason those are off the market is if you, if you take the supply off the market, it increases the price. It increases the demand when there's less out there. So it's, it's basically a way to kind of prop up the housing prices to give the illusion that they're actually in positive territory. It's not necessarily showing that housing prices are going to continue going up because we're now in the same issue that we had in 2008, for instance, in California. Uh, we had multifamily 
households coming together to purchase a house, you know, to where two different families are buying a house together that because they couldn't afford it. And we're, we're seeing the same issues here. We can't afford it. But if there was this inventory that could be released, then that would drop the price. Uh, increase in interest rates will drop the price, which is good, but then it doesn't help the consumer because we're still paying it in interest. So this is just the beginning of the downturn. This is what is designed to cause the system to start to go down. Now, the stock market, we'll see how that affects. A lot of times people flock to security. They flock to safety. And they would flock to the Dow for a long time. Well, and that's why it's almost, you know, it's over 20,000. It's hit 21,000. That's why it's been so high. The, the problem is now people aren't going to see that as necessarily safe haven. So they're going to try to flock to something else more safe. And that's where they might jump into commodities. They might jump into gold, silver, oil, you know, food prices, stuff like that, uh, because those are going to be something that people have to have. They, they need to have. But the, the interest rates are definitely going to cause both the housing sector and the car sector to go down. Now, when it comes with the automobile industry, you also have this huge issue that um, around 2008 or around 10 years ago, um, they were having a hard time selling cars. And so they went into this massive uh, leasing structure where you could lease a car and not pay a high uh, payment to be able to have a brand new car. Well, a large portion of those people went into that. Well, now they're returning those leases, which means all these used cars are flooding into the market that are within that range, which means, well, you can have a slightly used vehicle for less than a brand new vehicle. So the manufacturers are going to start putting massive incentives to discount the new vehicles because they're not going to sell them because, well, they're not selling them you know, as much as they used to. And that's going to be how the car market is going to continue going down because you're going to have used cars and new cars fighting each other to drag each other kind of the prices down. We may have serious issues with people emailing me about whether you're a profit or not. Okay, because you're the one that brought this up last week, so I decided to keep my eye on it. And exactly what you said happened, Clinton. You said last week there was going to, if they raise the interest rates, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And you realize these two articles came out within days of you saying that, and I wouldn't have known to look for it unless you pointed it out. But, ladies and gentlemen, it, this has happened within a very short time, them raising the interest rates. And yet Clinton said that that's going to kill the economy because, well, why do people need loans? Well, they need loans to buy houses, and they need loans to buy cars. And like I said, uh, this headline uh, is out of MarketWatch.com. Existing home sales tumble as tight inventory chokes the market. Um, and this is the headline from uh, Madison.com, why falling used car prices clobbered auto stocks on Tuesday. So Clinton said that if they raise the interest rates, that would hurt the economy. Clinton, I'm going to be very clear here. If you knew this, they obviously knew this. So 
is it being inferred here that they're trying to hurt the economy? I, I don't know how to interpret that. Well, unfortunately, that's uh, my analysis as well. Uh, the great thing about economics is everything has to be planned out and everything has to be basically telegraphed. So when they do things, you can see what they're doing and you know how it's going to affect it because it's it's all a huge system. And once you know the system, you know how it's going to work. Um, so no, I, I, I'm not a prophet. I, I consider myself a watchman. Um, I, cause I'm here to sound the horn saying, Hey, you know, we got some serious issues ahead of us. Um, when it comes to the economy and them trying to crash it, um, there's, there's a reason all of this is happening now. Um, and it's because as you throw money into the market, the, the you get less of a response, uh, from the market. So, so you ultimately have to throw more and more money to get a less of a response. And when that happens, the curve starts to turn negative. And that's what we're having. We can continue to have a massive bailouts, but the dollar's not going as far as it used to against our debt, which then means it's going to turn negative. And so we have a president in the White House who is a specialist in bankruptcy. We have a U.S. economy and maybe possibly a world economy, the way it's looking, that is bankrupt. And from an economic standpoint, you, you can't just print your way out of it. You, you, they try to do that and it caused the problem to get even worse. So they have to figure out some other way. And a lot of it's probably going to be restructuring of debt. A lot of it's going to be massive cuts. Um, that's probably what the plan is going to be. Um, but it doesn't look like the, the three branches of government are going to work together to be able to accomplish that. So then the next phase is to do it through the Fed. Um, I believe it was Rockefeller uh, that said that he doesn't care who runs a, a government. Uh, if you give him control of their money, you know, he doesn't care who runs the government. He'll, he'll basically run it. Um, and that's a horrible quote, but that's basically what he said. Um, so, so if you can have control of the money supply, you have control of the money. It doesn't matter what the laws are. You can do whatever you want to. And that's kind of where we're at now is they are controlling the money. And you can see, you know, with how everything's developed on a global scale is we are in an economic war, you could say, with basically China um, and possibly the BRICS nations, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Um, once those countries, you know, they've already united and they've already created their own banking system and they're uh, kind of counter against the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. So we have those two branches kind of going at each other already. Uh, we have uh, Russia just came out last week and, and dropped their interest rates. So we raise ours and they drop theirs. So we're trying to devalue our currency and they're trying to strengthen their currency. That's what that means. So it's, it's a huge game as to why would we, if we got Russia on the ropes and you know, we're already kind of messing with them, uh, from an economic standpoint, we've already dropped oil to where it's hardly worth anything, and that's where they get a large portion of their revenue. So if that, if we've done that, then why are we devaluing our currency to strengthen theirs unless there's some kind of balance of power that is moving there? I see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, just so I can uh, publicly put the kibosh on this, uh, I assure everybody uh, that none of us are prophets here. Um, 
Now, I haven't known Clinton for very long, but I assure you that uh, me and uh, Brian are not prophets, um, and we're not throwing stones at the charismatic Christians at all. I just want to make sure that I'm very clear with everybody that none of us three have those gifts, and that's one of the reasons why uh, we do the End Time Tribune, uh, because we can watch current events, uh, remembering that the Lord our God commanded us to watch and pray. Uh, that much is certainly true. Well, Brian, are you ready or not? Let's get in here. I know you got stuff to cover. Um, I've got stuff to cover, so are you ready to jump in the saddle yet, buddy? Yep. Let's roll with this here. Um, pretty big story had uh, been released last night. Uh, out of the Jerusalem Post, and to be thoroughly honest, uh, folks, this is something I have been waiting to see for a long time because this was a major piece in the puzzle as uh, to how this entire last day picture was going to fall into place. Now, I've told folks time and time and time again that we need to see the rising of the Median and Persian Empire. Why do I state this? Because we're told emphatically in Daniel 8 that this had to happen, quote-unquote, again, as in an isochronal event. And here, let's explain why. In Daniel 8, verse 17, it states, So he came near to where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, that this vision is for the time of the end. It repeats itself again in verse 19. He said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. Now, here's the story I'm referencing. And as you're going to see, as of the 19th, on top of it, back to back to back to back, stories were released stating exactly what I have told people for quite some time, that we needed to see these things take place. We needed to see the Saudi uh, Empire essentially wane, and the Persian Empire, or Iran, and the Medes, a.k.a. the Kurds, move into a place of power throughout the Middle East. And on the 19th, we had three stories that were released that stated that was exactly what was happening. Yet, for this to happen... Some things had to be moved out of place that did not line up nor make sense. And the biggest factor in this puzzle was Russia. Well, here we go. Released on the 25th, which I guess would be today, wouldn't it? Report, U.S.-Russia agreed to help Israel expel Iran from Syria. Israel hopes with the help of Russia and the United States that enough pressure can be placed on the Iranian-backed militias to the point where they can be removed. United States and Russia and Israel have reportedly reached a consensus on the need to restrict and eventually expel pro-Iranian forces from gaining influence in Syria. The Kuwaiti Daily newspaper Al Rai reported Saturday, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, according to the Arab outlet, has reached an understanding with Washington and Moscow that pro-Iranian forces, including Lebanese terror organization Hezbollah, 
constitute an existential threat to the Jewish state. This threat, therefore, necessitates Israeli action in Syria, including conducting airstrikes and other assaults to keep weapons and advancing militias as far as possible from Israel's northern border. And I'm going to bring up this again on top of it. We had a second strike from Israeli Air Force units into Syria this week. And on top of it, now Syria is threatening to hit Israel with Scud missiles. According to anonymous U.S. officials who spoke to the Kuwaiti publication, Israel's targeting of pro-Iranian forces in the south of Syria is being accompanied by Russian pressure in the center and north to help stabilize the country. Russia is also reportedly open to withdrawing its forces in certain areas, leaving the Syrian army loyal to President Bashar al-Assad to take over. Israel hopes with the help of Russia and the United States that this pressure will help weaken pro-Iranian military entities to the point where they can be removed from the battle-scarred nation. But Iran's, Iran's meddling in the Syrian civil war, which has raged for nearly six years now and has claimed over 400,000 lives, makes the difficult proposition one U.S. senior official told Al-Rai that Iran helped prop up the Assad regime soon after the civil strife broke out in 2011, giving them a foothold in Damascus. This has officials in Jerusalem worried who both who loathe to see Iranian presence so close to the Israeli territory. So it remains to be seen what calculations Assad and Russia have for pro-Iranian presences in Syria and whether or not their influence can be abated. And the story goes on a little bit more here. Nonetheless, another big factor that has to come into play, on top of this as well, for the rising of the he-goat. And this goes hand-in-hand with the much bigger picture. Balkans to face new war if EU collapses. Junker warns against U.S. US against anti-European stance. Now, folks, I'm going to point something out here because I'm not going to go into this article as the mass majority of it is talking about Trump and Mike Pence. That is relevant, yes. But everybody, you need to know right now that the main instigators behind and also that hold the cards, so to say, and making the EU collapse is also hand-in-hand with this is Turkey. With the back-and-forth and and back-and-forth dialogue and anger now coming up between Turkey and the European Union due to the fact of various ambassadors being blocked going into European nations and... You know, due to the fact that basically what is happening here with Erdogan is he is consolidating power to put him into a position and a place in Turkey that has not been seen since the forming of this new government. This new constitution is going to be granting him more power over that nation. So when you take hand in hand now, we've had nonstop reports that have come out in these last couple of weeks that due to this fighting, Right now, this is putting Erdogan into the position of breaking his deal that he made with the European Union to essentially house a multitude of refugees, therefore, a.k.a., as I've said in the past, opening 
the floodgates of all these refugees pouring into the European Union. And what the problem is behind this is predicted by those in the European Union is they state that this is going to bring them into a state of economic collapse. Folks, this is another aspect I have brought up time and time again that we also need to be looking for the waning of the European Union and losing its grip in power throughout the world and even possibly its breakup. So now we have two stories back-to-back that were released within 24 hours of each other, giving us the two primary pieces that need to fall into place. And now we go back into the stories that were released last week. On March 19th, out of uh, the Times of Israel, an analysis was released stating Islamic State's wane sets the stage for a regional superpower, Iran. country once known as Syria is being carved up and Tehran and its terrorist proxies are in a position to benefit more than any other player. Then on top of it, uh, Pepe Escobar on the 17th of March released an article in Sputnik. And I have to say, I quite appreciate his titling of this article, The Birth Pangs of a New Middle East Remixed. This goes on and on and on to point out the very same thing. So the very first statement here. You all remember former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice's notorious 2006 prediction about birth pangs of a new Middle East. True to the George W. Bush-Cheney regime, Connie got it all spectacularly wrong, not only about Lebanon and Israel, but also Iraq, Syria, and the House of Saud. And like I said, folks, look this article up. He goes on into the fact that who's the new superpower and super player that is moving into place in the Middle East? It is Iran. And this came out of the uh, L Monitor, Iran Pulse. In Syria, Iran sees a necessary war. Again, this is going into the exact same details. Cannot find the date of this release. Okay, this was posted on the 16th of March, folks. And another one that goes to a degree hand-in-hand here, setting the stage for a Western international coup. As Turkey and Russia mend and enhance the relationship, it is obviously that third parties are trying to create a rift between the two with the John Jet crisis and the assassination of Russian diplomat in Ankara. Fearing the partnership of Turkey and Russia, the Europeans have turned their backs on Turkey instead of working together to create a strong partnership. Let's see here. Uh, This one was released on the 21st of March. Mossad chief, Iran will pose a threat to uh, Israel with or without nuclear deal. Let's see, exclusive. This one's been floating around for a while, folks, and there's been a lot of contradictory news reports coming out on this, so I'm not certain... 100% what is happening with this. But the exclusive states that Tillerson plans to skip NATO meeting instead is visiting Russia in April. 
Now, folks, why this is becoming even more so important as we go along here in the news um, concerning this new administration that is in the White House as we speak, these connections and ties between Russia and with Turkey are becoming more prominent by the day. And it's getting to the point that you can't escape that something is going on here. Needless to say, who is behind what in this mix? We may never know, or it could end up evolving into an even deeper picture. The most primary thing, though, folks, that we need to point out first and foremost, whoever is working behind the scenes, whoever is orchestrating all of this, look, folks, we know of only one player in this that is going to be working from the shadows, and that's the Assyrian himself. So who is orchestrating all of these things on a world stage? When you stop and consider that first story that is now stating that Russia is going to work against Iran with Israel and the United States to expel them from Syria, okay, folks, we've had some serious shifting here because Iran and Russia have been major allies for quite some time. So something major has happened here behind the scenes. Now I'm going to take a break here with just those aspects, and I'm kind of curious of what you've got to say on that, uh, you guys. Well, I wanted to throw this in here. <clears throat> it was our uh, brother Thames, way before this this event horizon ever manifested itself, but this is a headline from two days ago. Ex-Trump campaign manager Manafort offers to speak to the House Committee of Mid-Russian Probe. Uh, Brian, that makes me sick to my stomach because you and I knew to watch for Manafort because of Thames behind the scenes slipping us that little egg. List oh, for certain. Get Clinton's view on this. Clinton, What what is your uh, your thoughts or what information do you have with these ties between uh, the Russians and our POTUS? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. Um, you know, the, the fact that we have not just one, but numerous, uh, I guess you could say employees or cabinet members, what do you want to call them now, um, that have been involved with Russia or a foreign government, um, you know, we have uh, the one general uh, that uh, was involved in getting kickbacks from Turkey. And uh, we have Manafort now that uh, was getting paid by, um, uh, you know, a Russian billionaire. Um, we have, you know, Jeff Sessions that has someone that, that talked to Russia. We have numerous other accounts of other people talking. And then we have this wiretapping allegation, um, you know, thrown in there as well. Well, if there was speculation that, People were talking to foreign governments who were then running for high office in our country, then yes, that would be something that uh, our government would look into. And that's something that they would try to look, you know, see if that's the truth or not. Um, the more and more these scandals come out, the more and more it looks like that there is ties to foreign governments that are not necessarily uh, pro American, but are actually the opposite. Uh, Russia and Turkey specifically have not been friends to the United States. Turkey's been trying to get, you know, into, into the EU for a long time and, and never was able to get in. Um, but, 
you know, we've never really been fans of Russia or Turkey. So the fact that these ties are coming out and becoming more and more prevalent just makes it seem like there's something behind the scenes, which kind of fits with everything else that the decisions they're making don't really make any sense anymore. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem like they, they're even making decisions for their own regard. Um, I mean, why, why anyone would come in um, into any office for any country and try to change everything drastically? For instance, like we have Le Pen in France who she is running on a platform that says that if she's elected, that she is going to reinstate the, the franc on a one-to-one scale with the euro, which means people can go to the franc instead of the euro and it, it trades at the same amount. That's going to be massive chaos in, in France. Um, so, so I think this is all kind of, I guess the, the Wizard of Oz behind the veil is starting to be removed. Uh, we're told that all will be revealed, and I think this is the beginning of the revealing to show kind of the extent of uh, where we're at as a society. And the unfortunate thing is it reaches very, very high up into our leadership and our current leadership, unfortunately, because these individuals that are being investigated and coming out um, are involved in our current political process. And they have connections with people around the world that are involved in their political process. And if we can't trust these individuals to be pro-American or at least make decisions that are for our country, but yet they're in a strong political arena, then we have a major issue on our hands. And I'm hoping that this, this issue with Montefort is, is the last one, but it sounds like it's probably not going to be. And it sounds like this guy made millions upon millions of dollars from, from Russia. And that is a huge conflict of interest. And unfortunately it is, it is something that I think is going to continue. Well, when you factor in on top of it, that we see continued ties. Well, let let me switch this up, guys. Let me get your thoughts about this before the break. Um, it's come out in the news several different ways. Let me just read a little bit from this article, but I have not vetted it, so I am not going to give you the source. But it says that agents and officers are expecting Department of Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly, a retired military general and former head of the U.S. Central Command to set up another general to head the Secret Service and help perform the agency. That has got me worried. What are you guys' thoughts on an ex-military general taking over the Secret Service? Your thoughts on that? Well, this is not... uh unprecedented as far as this administration goes because we see so many things shifting and so many things changing hands in such a way that makes absolutely no sense at first glance. You know, and as I uh, was pointing out there a moment back, you know, we continue to see more and more and more and more of these very strong connections back and forth with these different governments. I mean, Manafort Okay, like uh, was brought up by Matthew previously, 
Tim was the one that got our attention concerning this. And when that got my attention, that's when I began to look into these ties to all these other governments um, with this coming in administration in the mid-section of the election. And now all, as all this stuff is hitting the news and becoming plastered all over the place, I'm just, I have to shake my head, folks, because none of this was hidden. This was all known about during the election cycle. There were little bits of ties of things I look deeper into that most people aren't aware of as common nature. you know. But nonetheless, this is not new news, folks. None of this is. So why people are acting so surprised about this is above and beyond me. These connections with the Turkish government, with Gulen. Um, you know, Gulen has his CIA ties. And this whole thing goes so deep on top of it with Turkey and the Gulen coup and ties here in the United States. Flynn, like was brought up, he had connections with Russia, and it's been found out that he was working with Turkey as well. Should we be surprised in light of Gulen? No. This is all tied together, and we can clearly see now that behind the scenes, we got the Ten Kings are definitely behind the scenes, calling the shots, and the Assyrians in the shadows, orchestrating all of it. Clinton, your thoughts on that? Should we be worried? I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I keep watching Assad like a hawk, and just the, the, the way he's talking, the decisions he's making, how he's all of a sudden has this ring of arrogance towards Israel. I mean, Israel's been bombing, uh, you know, Syria for, for quite a while and Syria never, ever shot back. Now they did. So what has changed? And I think you're absolutely right is that Assad and Syria, um, they actually have backing, you know, where that backing is coming from. We're starting to see who the true players are. And I think it's stemming all the way through. There's, there's players within the Middle East. There's players within Russia. There's players within the Europe in the European Union, and unfortunately, there's players within the United States. And all of them are starting to be revealed to the general public. Yeah, that that there's been evidence there, but most people were not awake. They they didn't want to watch. They didn't want to look. And now we're coming upon a time that you have to be paying attention. Otherwise, the information is coming out so quickly, you're going to get lost. And so, you know, as we see these things developing with these politicians coming out, with these generals coming out, with the connections between, you know, Assad or the Assyrians and everything that's developing, we, we have to really pay attention to it because the unfortunate thing is um, we may be very, very close to Syria and Israel starting to go at each other. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, let me say this. You know, I've been studying Bible prophecy my whole life. And I'm well aware of the simple fact that Genesis chapter 40 is the election between the cupbearer and the baker. Please do take note of this. That Genesis chapter 41 starts out this way. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Behold, he was standing by the Nile. 
Take note, ladies and gentlemen, that the Nile is common knowledge. The Egyptians pitched that in the heavens to be the Milky Way. Take just a second to listen to me very intently. From the blood moon jubilee that occurred on Rosh Hashanah, 2015, add two years to that. I'm going to tell you what you get. You get a wonderful sign that occurs in the heavens. It is the sign of Revelation chapter 12. Ladies and gentlemen, you might want to take this 7 minute and 47 second break to consider that. The days come easy and the moments pass slow And each road leads you where you want to go And if you're faced with a choice and you have to choose I hope you choose the one that means the most to you And if one door opens to another door closed I hope you keep on walking till you find the window If it's cold outside Show the world the warmth of your smile But more than
You're listening to the End Time Tribune, where we remind you that if you have a broken bridge, the Lord Jesus Christ was in fact the son of a carpenter, and he alone can mend your broken road. I set out on a narrow way many years ago, hoping I would find true love along the broken road, but I got lost a time or two, wiped my brow and kept pushing through, I couldn't see how every sign pointed straight to you, that every Get me to where you are Others who broke my heart They were like northern stars Pointing me on my way Into your loving arms This much I know is true That God bless the broken road That led me Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. It is quite a privilege and an honor to be here with you this week. Well, 
ladies and gentlemen, it is time for me to take my stint at the news. And it's amazing to me that a lot of the stuff that I get, I get at the absolute last minute. Amazes me. Uh, but you can catch us on Twitter, of course. Um, you can also uh, check us out on uh, TalkShoe over there. Uh, we do uh, Biblicating the Bride. You can also catch us on Spreaker. Uh, over there, we're doing a brand new broadcast uh, with uh, Brian, of course, and uh, we also have a new co-host over there, Kellen Caps. Did some good stuff. We are doing a verse by verse exegesis on the Book of Revelation. Uh, that first broadcast was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but you can catch us on Twitter and uh, Twitter has proven to be very valuable for a news source, ladies and gentlemen. It's ten times better uh, than the old social networking site, Facebook. Um, I am so thankful that I have terminated that. Um, and people were asking me why I did it. I shall tell you. A brother in Christ uh, that was an author, of course, Chris Putnam, he died this month, and I put up a memorial post in honor of him. One of the last posts that he did on Logos Apologia was a riddle. And I did a post on the End Time Tribune, a post and put it on the social networking site. And some people that I had assumed were Christian friends um, had very, very, very terrible things to display publicly for Chris's family members to see. And that was just about enough of that. It was time for me to kill that. On Twitter, that can't happen. You can't post comments on my tweet. You can't come and harass people. Uh, so it's proven to be very valuable like this. Uh, this was just tweeted a little while ago uh, by our sister Jennifer. Uh, she wanted to point out to me the very simple fact that the Moshim, Primus Numerous, uh, encoded all over this news article uh, that was released uh, here uh, very recently. It was released on the 9th. But ladies and gentlemen... The Department of Justice sends 144,000 pages of the Gorish documents to the Senate. Now, this is all in affiliation uh, to his work in the George W. Bush administration. And this is uh, in the forefront of uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, ahead of the Supreme Court's nomination uh, in relation to his possibly being confirmed. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, it says a very interesting thing. It gives all kinds of alphanumerical calculations in here. But, um, you know, something really caught my eye uh, concerning this. It's not only that. It also goes on to say that Judge Jurish experience and background proof he is exceptionally qualified to be a Supreme Court justice, the spokesperson said. He has had 
and bipartisan and wide-ranging meetings with 72 senators, with most calling for a fair up-or-down vote. Ah, yes, a clear reference to the book of Obadiah and Revelation chapter 14. But, ladies and gentlemen, that, that the prophetic news, as far as the church is concerned, just doesn't stop this week. This was released on the 24th. If the Messiah isn't here yet, does Israel belong to the Jews? This is straight out of Herat's. Com. The major theme in the Hebrew Bible is God's promise to give the people of Israel their land, and thus the geographic region, variously known as Canaan, Israel, and Palestine, became dubbed the Promised Land. But does this promise apply to our present time? This may be one of the biggest theological questions in modern day Judaism. Ah, yes. But it goes on to remind us of the mighty Assyrian. The particular facts of Jewish history, the Jewish people were disposed from their land in 586 BC by the Babylonians and then allowed to regain in several generations later, beginning the so-called Second Temple Period, uh, 538 BC to uh, 70 AD, only solidified the belief among Jews that while God had temporarily had taken the land back away from them, he will surely keep his promise and give it back. Now, then, ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you that this is an isochronal event, because then it goes on to explain that to you, because all of the Jews knows what Josephus wrote in Wars 10.10. Look that up. Chapter 10, verse 10. Okay, look it up. Remember, he was being paid by the Romans to write a history, and they would have killed him in the process if he'd have wrote this verse, because, of course, he stated this was the answer to Daniel's prophecy when the Romans themselves knew that no uh, Antiochus Epiphanes had actually done that. So just take note that Josephus himself said that the 70 AD event was actually Daniel's prophecy being fulfilled. So everybody knows, well, except westernized Christians. Eschatality is eschatronal. Anyway, uh, going on, for this reason, after the Romans crushed the Jewish revolt, destroyed the temple in 70 AD, it was only natural for the Jews at the time to assume that God would once again intercede on their behalf and give the control of their land once more. They waited and waited and waited. Nothing happened until a group of fanatical Jews rebelled against the mighty Roman Empire in 132. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just off the charts. This one is one I don't know how to quantify. It comes off of uh, redstate.com. Naked protesters sacrifice sheep at gates of Auschwitz. No one really knows why. Uh, it's hard to quantify this, but I shall give you the details nonetheless. When you plan a public demonstration, your primary goal should be to present a clear message about your cause. If you wander into creepy, deadest performance art, you've defeated your purpose, like these weirdos in Poland. 
Police in Poland have detained at least 11 people after a naked demonstration at the Auschwitz Museum on the site of the former Nazi death camp. The museum said a group of people killed sheep, undressed, and chained themselves together. The incident took place beneath the main gate, which bears the infamous slogan, Arabic Mech Free. Work makes you free. The motive behind the demonstration was unclear, officials said. The protesters were mostly Polish, but some were from Germany and Belarus, which take note. I just mentioned something at the opening of this broadcast about that very place and the simple fact that it has become illegal to be poor and underemployed. In Belarus, that's where this demonstration took place. So, continuing on, the demonstrators uh, could be charged with insulting a monument or symbolic place, which may result in a fine or a restriction of liberty, police said. Local media reported that they'd used a drone to film the disturbance and draped a white banner with red text, Love, over the gate. Some Polish media say the action was a protest against the war in Ukraine. BBC Warsaw correspondent Adam Easton reports, I'm not sure what the war in Ukraine has to do with naked people killing sheep at a Nazi death camp. It sure seems to me that trying to boost your publicity by using Auschwitz as the location for your protest is really in poor taste, even if your protest is comprehensible. So ends the article. Ladies and gentlemen, this is off the charts crazy. We have people sacrificing sheep at Auschwitz. The group demonstrating refused to tell any people what they were protesting. Hide directly, perhaps, to the infamous slogan, Work Makes You Free. Of course, we all know what made you free at Auschwitz. Ah, yes. The ovens made you free, ladies and gentlemen. So this ties into that other article I mentioned earlier a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, you do not want an ex-general of the Marines heading up the Secret Service. To me, that sets off alarms. Now, it also sets off alarms to me that Clinton seems to think that they're trying to hurt the economy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize this would be the perfect cover? Here, let me explain it to you. The last time the economy crashed, well, 1920s, it took 19 years to recover. When it crashed in 1929, it took 25 years to recover. When it crashed during the mid-60s to mid-70s, it took 16 years to recover. You know, ladies and gentlemen, in 2008, it only took six years' time to recover. If we have another 1929 event, I wonder how long it would take us to recover now. 
This is the perfect window to create a scapegoat. You see? We all know that this had to be planned because Manafort, his campaign manager, was Russian. Look, ladies and gentlemen, let me create a perfect storm for you. Let's have the economy completely crash. Let's say we take off, oh, I don't know, let's take off about 14,000 points off of it. How about that? Then, in order to get all this pressure off of uh, a Hoover scapegoat, about the same exact time, you impeach that president because the campaign was rigged by, of course, our enemies, the Russians. Ladies and gentlemen, if these events play out, you don't even know what a perfect storm is yet. You don't even know what that is yet because this would completely shadow everything else. Everything else. And ladies and gentlemen, our, our country's in serious shape when you've got when you've got American judges ruling that women can walk around topless, we've got problems. This has happened in an American city. Fort Collins, Colorado. The city of Fort Collins plans to appeal a federal judge's decision to block the city's ban on women appearing topless in public. I don't even know how this is in question. Attorneys representing the city on Tuesday notified the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals in Denver that they will appeal a preliminary injunction granted in February by U.S. District Court Judge R. Brooke Jackson that blocks a section of the city's public nudity law. I don't even understand how this come about. Why is this federal judge sticking his business in Colorado? Oh, Lord have mercy, ladies and gentlemen. What do you make of what is going on? Where is society going? A judge allows a woman to undergo in vitro fertilization with her, her dead husband's sperm? A judge in Barcelona is allowing a woman to undergo in vitro fertilization with her dead husband's sperm, even as the prosecution insists it is not possible to ascertain the man would have consulted or consented if he lived. Also, the prosecution said, such a treatment is not convenient for a woman who is single. What? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, let's consider what the Bible, God's holy word, plainly states about the end times, that knowledge would increase. Ladies and gentlemen, 
what other point in time could this be possibly referring to? Because in one other point in time could you have obtained an heir for a dead man? Ladies and gentlemen, it, this is this is off the charts. It's off the charts, ladies and gentlemen. I don't I don't even know how to quantify this type of news. I mean, I, I don't even know what category to put this in. I mean, everything that, that we've covered so far has been completely off the charts. And do we all not remember the Club of Rome's map from nineteen seventy three in conjunction with the Yom Kippur War? Ladies and gentlemen, this came out today. Today. EU 27 signed Roman Declaration 60 years after founding treaty. Leaders of 27 European countries on Saturday marked the 60th anniversary of the bloc's founding by renewing their commitment to a common future against a backdrop of crisis and in the absence of the departing United Kingdom. The leaders signed a new Rome Declaration six decades after the six founding members signed the Treaty of Rome and gave birth to the European Economic Community. Ladies and gentlemen, off the charts. Off the charts. No. I really only have one thing to ask everybody, really. I mean, this is what came out in the news in the LA Times, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, March 21st. Some right-wing media sites under investigation for possible Russia ties. The investigation is well underway into any potential collusion between President Trump's campaign aides and Russian officials during last year's campaign. Conservative media, much like the administration, have downplayed the investigation, and now some right-wing outlets are facing scrutiny themselves. No, ladies and gentlemen, what makes you think you can trust any news site now? Now, I understand this is targeting conservative sites. Don't you realize that what is good for the goose is good for the gander? Have we gotten to the point where, well, okay, you've got ABC, NBC, CBS. Ladies and gentlemen, what happens when you can't trust the news anymore? What what happens when that happens? So I am hoping that I have got all of your attention because once again I'm talking about the Pope. And everybody knows that we're not here on the End Time Tribune. We're not 
pro-anybody, you know, we're not bashing uh, the Catholics, but he brings something up. His direct quote brings out exactly what the writers are going to implement. First, you're going to have nationalism. Then you're going to have revolution. Well, ABC News. Pope urges the EU resist false security promised by populist. Pope Francis urged European leaders on Friday to resist the false forms of security promised by populists who want to wall themselves off and instead bank on the future of greater solidarity and union. Francis welcomed 27 EU leaders to the Vatican on the eve of the summit to mark the 60th anniversary of the Treaty of Rome and the founding character of the bloc. Ladies and gentlemen, Pope Francis is right, and he knows what's coming. I think they all do. I think that's why Clinton inferred that they're not particularly raising the interest rates for anybody's good. And I don't see how any of the news we've covered today can actually be good for anybody except, ah, yes. What does the book of Revelation say? There are ten kings that run this planet. You don't have to like it. That's what God says. What he himself says. And he puts it into their hearts to burn Babylon with fire. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've said it a thousand times before, and I'm going to say it again. Look it up in a geology textbook. The New World represents one-third of all the green grass on this planet. It was several weeks ago that I brought up the news article, proved it to everybody, that way more than one-third of all consumer products is shipped to the New World. Well, guys, uh, jump in here and let's uh, talk about the news that we covered now that I have put the cherry on top of my diatribe anyway. I mean, there's there just seems like a whirlwind going on here. Uh, you know, some people think that it's bad about these things happening with Russia and the present POTUS. And people think that there's bad things that are happening in the economy that the stock market's falsely propped up and all that. You put these two crises together and it provides a way for the proposed scapegoat to get out scot-free. You understand? Everybody remembers how Hoover is remembered, right? Well, if you do this at the same time, shot the stock market, let's say, by two-thirds, but everybody's too busy worried about 
the POTUS being impeached, you got nobody to blame the economy on. Or am I wrong, guys? Is that just me? One of you jump on jump on here. Am I wrong about that, or am I seeing something that could be quite terrible? Brian, your thoughts? Didn't I just kind of give the answer to that previous to the break? I mean, we're seeing everything we're supposed to see. You know, which of these uh, spots we want to touch on here? Well, you brought up that re-signing of that declaration. Uh, You know, the quote-unquote tied hand-in-hand with the Club of Rome as they are, you know, trying to re-solidify things after... Uh, you know, Britain is leaving the EU, commonly known as Brexit. So right there you see the fact that they're trying to re-solidify their standing in power while we see other signs bringing us to the brink. You brought up that story concerning conservative media outlets being targeted in investigation. Folks, look. I know there was some upset when that story came out. As I had referred to previously concerning collusion between Russia and the United States and other foreign governments, I had looked deeply into this back in the midst of the election when Tim got our attention about Manafort's connections with the Ukraine and with Russia. And folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. He told us this before Manafort was asked to step down as being the campaign leader. So, Tim caught the wind of this before anybody did, alerted us, and that's when I began to immediately look into it. What is one of the chief ways that Russia has been basically manipulating elections? Well, it's the age-old propaganda front, everybody. You have to understand that they target the media. Targeting the media to change opinions within a nation. Now, how can we go further back in history to one of the infamous manuals that business leaders even use to this day? Well, that's known as Sun Tzu's Art of War. It's how to topple a nation without having to fire a single shot. And this is the same tactic that is used. So was I surprised when I saw that story this week? Not even in the slightest, because... The ones that were targeted specifically in there, I already had my eye on back last year when we were warned about Manafort as I saw those news sources continually release one false story after another, after another, after another in a landslide. Now, folks, there are certain news sources I refuse to use when I catch them in the middle of lies back to back to back to back. Most current in my book that got put in the crossout list was Fox News after I busted them in five lies in two weeks. So, folks, you've got to pay attention to these news sources. You have got to pay attention to the fact if they're lying to your face and these sources cannot be verified, there's a problem. Another thing that helps sway the election in this nation on top of it, and I really hate to say it, folks, but it's the truth was the fact on top of it that most of the conspiracy-backing groups and sites that we have seen throughout the years 
that have continued to support and back news that has no verification, even within our own communities. We're also pushers backing this current administration. Now, when I saw this happening in the middle of the election, I began to ask some serious questions as to who in the heck was pulling their strings because they all jumped on board and backed this current administration. And now as we see all this stuff playing out, they're the same ones that refuse to acknowledge any of this is going on. Now, let me give a clear-cut case and example because everybody loves their WikiLeaks. Folks, I've said time and time again, WikiLeaks serves a purpose. That purpose is that propaganda front. I've seen people make comments that everything that has come through there has been true, even though, is that the case? No. So when we had slipped into the midst of this whole beginnings of this Russian investigation that was going on with ties to the administration, all of a sudden this big um, new batch of material was dropped with ties to the CIA and all their hacking and so forth. And yes, they have a very strong cyber warfare division. That's common knowledge, folks. Okay, but the one little thing they dropped in there was the fact that they are capable of leaving the signature of other hackers behind, which is a very simple thing to do, folks. You leave it within the script of the actual virus or whatever it is that you've used to target that person. They use a signature, and that's all they would have to do is type that in in that little script and leave that signature to give a false front as to who was behind it. Now, the problem was here, though, is when the conspiracy circles saw this, they immediately pointed at the Democratic and liberal groups saying they were behind it. They were behind the hacking and the leaks to um, WikiLeaks because, well, then that would have justified their taking a war against Russia. Except there's a problem with that, folks. Who was targeted in all of those WikiLeaks? Not one Republican was targeted in those leaks. Every bit of that was targeted at the Democratic groups, the Democratic National Convention leaks, then we had leaks from Hillary Clinton, we had the Podesta leaks. This goes on and on and on until you're blue in the face. Not one of those was targeted at the other administration. Now, when you see something like that, you should already be scratching your head. But the fact alone now that the conspiracists are trying to say that it was the Democrats that actually hacked and leaked these documents is almost enough to make you want to fall over laughing in your chair because it makes absolutely no sense. Now, if it does turn out that those leaks did come from inside the government, then we have a very large, large problem on our hands of treason on the highest levels. And I'll tell you folks right now, if that is indeed the case, it did not come from the Democrats. Maybe I'll stop there because I'm sure people are not going to be pleased with that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're not Democrat or Republican, okay? We're, we're neither, but this is what blows my mind about all this talk about populist movements. Who was it that won the, the people's vote in this election? It was uh, definitely uh, Hillary Clinton that won the people's vote. Yeah, Hillary Clinton won the, the people's vote. 
Well, then none of this makes and, sense, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And I might remind everybody. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. I, I was just going to kind of comment on what Brian was talking about as well. Um, you know, with, with all these this craziness that's happening with the news media, um, with investigations hitting into the uh, the um, right-wing news sources, um, and, and what I really see this is, is this is the loss of truth. Um, it's getting so difficult to find what is going on in the world, uh, to what is the truth, and and who is actually speaking it. And, and that is, you know, foretold that we're going to come into this time where deception is so grand and so difficult uh, that even the elect will be deceived. And I, I, I see that this is how this, this web is, is being depicted and, and growing. And it's unfortunate because we're going to have a lot of people that have no idea what to do or what to think. And that's why it's so important that we use the Bible as our guide to to know what is truth and what is not going forward. Uh, for the sheer fact that, you know, I, I had someone tell me that Jesus appeared in, in uh, Indonesia and uh, to come out and check him out. And I, I, I was like, well, this actually kind of fits to what is told. This says, you know, if, if you're told that he appeared over here, do not go over there. You know, he, he, everyone will know when he appears. I mean, so, so stuff like that is already starting to happen. And, and so people are really, really kind of bothered about what is, is going on. And when it comes to like the, the WikiLeaks, the wiretapping, everything that's going on with the administration, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're, we're not trying to tear down any one set of people in any way, but these are all just distraction tactics. You know, Bush Jr. was good at it. Obama was great at it, but Trump is king at it. And, and we can see it right now that every time there's something big that's happening. For instance, Syria just said they're going to shoot um, missiles at Israel. All of a sudden, we have this massive craziness with this healthcare plan and everything else. It's it's distracting techniques just to get us to where we aren't watching what's going on, and it's it's going to grow and it's going to continue, and that's kind of where where we're at at this point. Well, let me magnify that now. You are quite correct that deception would be off the charts, even at the point of deceiving the elect if that were possible. Turn that coin over, ladies and gentlemen. What else does the Bible say? At the same exact time, knowledge would increase. Let me throw this one out here. Let, let me throw this one out here from CNN. President Donald Trump announced Friday that his administration has approved the Keystone XL pipeline, reversing the Obama administration's decisions to block the controversial project. Now, speaking from the Oval Office, Trump officially announced the approval shortly after the State Department issued TransCanada's permit, making good on one of his campaign promises. The approval greenlights the Canadian company to complete construction on the pipeline that will funnel crude oil from Canada to refineries in the Gulf Coast. Now, this is a direct quote from him. It's a great day for jobs and energy independence, Trump said, calling the pipeline incredible and the greatest technology known to man or woman. Ladies and gentlemen, knowledge is massively increasing when... The current POTUS calls this technology 
the greatest technology known to man or woman. Clinton was quite correct. The biblical prophecy is coming to pass right before you. The deception is off the charts when you can't even trust news sources. Is that what the Bible was talking about? That Yeah, you've got proof about these WikiLeaks, but guess what? Uh, any five-and-dime hacker could put any stamp on there he wanted to. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that means you don't know if it's true or not. And in the same window of opportunity, we have the greatest technology known to man or woman. Besides the simple fact that why did we approve this Keystone XL pipeline if the Americans aren't going to make nothing off of it? It plainly stated this was exclusively for Canada, not for the United States. And last I checked, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we've got a glut of oil in the world. So we're down to the last 60 seconds. Uh, Clinton, why don't you say goodbye first? And uh, be sure to mention your websites or whatever else you're wanting to promote. Go right ahead. You know, it's uh, been a great pleasure to be with you guys, and thank you again for having me here. Um, everyone, thank you for your support. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, let's be diligent. Let's watch what's going on. If you guys have any questions for me, my website is clintoncowatch.com. My last name is spelled K-O-W-A-C-H. And uh, the best way to follow me is on Twitter as well by just my name. Um, but may God guide you on your journey. Thank you very much for everything, guys. And Brian? Well, find me on Twitter at the Bands of Time on Twitter, or if you need to ask me any questions as well, the Bands of Time at gmail.com. Everybody keep your eyes on all this, and remember, first and foremost, on the Bible, so you realize what these things mean and understand how it all falls into place. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the End Time Tribune this week. Just take note, we'll be back next week, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of news to cover concerning End Time Biblical Prophecy. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I am Matthew Miller. God bless. Godspeed.